introduce yourself and give like a brief uh like not necessarily like a bio but just like a brief sure. little tidbit sure of who you uh, are. i'm reed uh i am the uh the um singer and main songwriter and guitarist uh in a band called we are the union and we just put out our new record ordinary life uh, about a week and a half ago on june 4th yeah what's a week <laughs> you can listen <laughs> Right. I think with all the variants coming out, I think it feels like it's just been, you know. I know, like months, right? Oh yeah. So funny. Like, how many how many records have you sold now? Like, uh, you know, I don't have the I don't have the exact number, but I will say it is. We are we're well over two thousand now, which for us is like that's crazy, I and mean, we've never done um, we've never done numbers like that ever. That's really exciting. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much. It's, it's incredible. I mean, for, for a band like us and a band our size, um, it's really special and really like really meaningful to us to be able to do, to do numbers like that. I mean, that's like, certainly was not the expectation. You know, there, there was a little like bit at the back of my mind that was like, this might get out of control but i wasn't ready for like i wasn't ready for how out of control it got i mean we did you know for for our last record self-care i think we sold a thousand records total like from 2018 until now we sold about a thousand records and so to sell over 2000 in you know a six-week pre-order campaign and then a week of sales it, it's it's wild you know and it's it's like I just, I feel, I feel like so much, so much gratitude and, and so much awe of just like, how is this possible? <laughs> it's really exciting to see. And I think, you know, with this album and, you know, the topics that it talks about, and it's kind of like a rebirth of you, but also a rebirth of the band in itself. And I think that's why it's doing so well too, because, you know, people are really supportive of this and they do want to listen to your journey and, you know, kind of what, it entailed and what you went through and these feelings that you're talking about. I mean, there's so many people that relate to it now, you know, so many people identify as transgender and being within the LGBTQ community that they're going to listen to these songs and, you know, say, this is how I feel, or this is what I felt when I went through it too, or, you know, maybe they're not there yet. Yeah. So I, I really think it's going to resonate with people. And I mean, it's great. The songs are great. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to see, like, um, see people having kind of positive reactions all over, all over social media. It's, it's a little bit overwhelming sometimes, but, um, in the best way. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that reintroduction of Reed video that you put out was overwhelming in itself. I mean, we both saw it and we got a little emotional because it is exciting yeah. seeing people, you know, live as, how they're meant to live you know and i mean you looked so happy in it and you still i mean you're glowing you know ever since you made that video you've been glowing ever since <laughs> thank you yeah you know the funny thing about that video um i, I assume you're talking about like the the me talking to the camera video yeah. from day one yeah the funny thing about that video is um ray and i filmed that at about 
three in the morning, <laughs> like two days before the record came out. Oh, wow. It was just like we knew we needed it. We knew we needed like something like that. And, and Brent, our drummer, and I um, had been talking for quite some time about like, okay, what does this actually look, what does the post actually look like? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we kept coming back to that idea of, of doing that sort of like, just me quite literally, like, like you put it, reintroducing myself. Um, but I just, I like couldn't settle on what I wanted it to look like and what, you know, uh, and then finally it was just like, Ray was like, I mean, cause Ray obviously is a photographer, um, you know, took all of the band photos and, and again, the, the, the photo on the cover of ordinary life, but also like is a professional photographer and, and takes, you know, photos of, of probably at this point, hundreds, maybe thousands of clients. I don't know. Um, it's a lot. And, uh, so they have this whole like backdrop set up and this whole, like, uh, like quite literally photography studio in their garage. And it was just like, they wanted to do a photo shoot just like of us being silly and goofy and like, you know, uh, and like, you know, super, super gay together. And, uh, it was like middle of the night and we were like, all right, fuck it. Let's just also film the talking video as part of that. And just like set, you know, we're already going to be setting up a, a still camera. Let's just set up a video camera and I'll talk at the camera for five minutes. And it came together. Once we like actually got it rolling and started going, it, it was like, you know, I think I, I recorded like three or four versions and that was it. Uh, and then we went and had a full photo shoot <laughs> that ended at like four in the morning. <laughs> I was going to say, were you up on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We oscillate back and forth between like three hours of sleep and like 10 hours of sleep. Uh, it's very funny. And that was during one of our, one of our three hours of sleep phases. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. I, I, I think that video though was like the perfect introduction into what ordinary life is about. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the sound too, it's very, you know, musically diverse. You explore different genres kind of outside ska, but you're also talking about, you know, mental health, dysphoria, um, your relationship, kind of all of these different things Mm -hmm. that lay out this story of what you've gone through over the last few years. And it ends with, you know, December kind of saying goodbye to the old Reed. And now it's like, this is me, you know, this is who I am. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that song almost didn't exist. Uh, That was, that was a, a request of our producer, John Graber. Um, we were kind of, you know, I played, I played John all the, all the demos for the record shortly before we went to the studio. Um, we recorded most of the record at, at an Airbnb in, uh, in Joshua Tree. And, uh, you know, basically like a few days before we drove out to Joshua Tree, I played John the demos and John was like, this is great. Um, you know, I love this here's what's missing. You know, we need this sort of like, you know, we need this sort of like, not quite nostalgic, but sort of like a, like a goodbye letter sort of thing, you know? And basically, basically John was like, write a song to the, you know, Bane hoodie, Detroit flat brim hat wearing person that you were masquerading as, you know, 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, what, what would you say to them? You know, what, what would you, what would you say to that read? And uh, I wrote the, the entire song sort of like between recording sessions in the desert, which is why there's all sorts of 
references in that song to, you know, the Salton Sea, Bombay Beach, and, you know, um, the the line, uh, the only difference between a garden and a graveyard is what you've buried in it. That's that's actually a direct reference to an art exhibit at East Jesus in Slab City. Um, there's quite literally, it's, I'll never forget, it, it's just a blue rock on the ground and somebody painted, you know, slightly reworded, but it's, it's the same exact message. The only difference between a garden and a graveyard is what's buried in it. And I think that's what, that's how it's phrased on the rock. And I just, that just stuck with me. And so all these kind of images and things that we, that we experienced during our time out there in the desert kind of made their way into this song, which I think is really, really cool. You know, that it like, not only is it sort of the song that wraps up the, the record thematically, it also kind of reflects the physical environment in which we made the record. Um, which is which is fun. I mean, you know, it's mostly just fun for for us in the band, but it's uh, it's a cool little little kind of series of Easter eggs. <laughs> I gotta go to the Joshua Tree and try to. <laughs> Everyone goes to mm -hmm. Joshua Tree. We've seen so many people go out there for like recording or like brainstorming. Like, yeah, it's just so quiet. Yeah, it's so quiet and it's so. I think I think it's perfect because it it's very remote and it's very quiet, but it's also still it's not desolate. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's there's there are towns, you know. There are so it's like kind of perfect for uh, creatives like me who aren't really ready to like pitch a tent in the middle of the woods and remove ourselves from society <laughs> completely. You know, we want to still have the conveniences of modern society, but um, you know, we want to also be able to get away from it. And I think that's, that's, that's why so many artists gravitate towards Joshua trees. It's sort of like, there's just so much solitude. And there's also, I don't know of many other places where you can, you know, even, even with the fact that there is some, some population and some, um, some development out there, like, when the sun sets, you can still lay in the front yard and see every single star. And I mean, that, that in and of itself was, was wildly inspirational. Just kind of like staring at, staring at the sky. I think I did it probably for at least a couple minutes every night. That's beautiful. I can be like off the grid, but like not off the grid. Yes. Not, yeah, not completely. <laughs> that's, why all, that's why all the Angelinos go there. Cause it's not ready for real wilderness. <laughs> like wasn't Demi Lovato there for like something like recording Demi record? Lovato was there at the same time we were oh my god <laughs> yeah I didn't find out until later yeah oh my god I was watching like their their uh documentary on uh YouTube and I was like oh there they are in uh Joshua Tree <laughs> looking up read oh wait Joshua Tree what's going on <laughs> yep so was it like one of those um, like themed Airbnbs or was it just like a, like a regular, no? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a ranch, like it was nice, um, but it wasn't, uh, no, it wasn't like super themed. Some of those ones are really cool. Yeah. 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 We had so many people and we needed so much space that we kind of just found like the biggest square footage we could find and went for it. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Had to make a de facto recording studio in the living room, which I don't think the Airbnb owners still know about, but uh, <laughs> we put everything back. There was no trace of it. Uh, but I think it's really funny that like there's this record that like exists and is, you know, marginally successful and, and the people we recorded it at their house have literally no idea that that's what we were doing there. 
They're like, we want a piece of that profit now. We found out. <laughs> <laughs> in our I told them, I told them it was, uh, it was a creative work retreat, which is not untrue. It's exactly what it is. I just didn't tell them that that creative work retreat also meant we were going to build a temporary recording studio in their living room. <laughs> they probably thought it was like yoga or something. 100%. They're probably watching this like, well, Brie's never rented from us again. I guess as long as you don't like track. They'll be they'll be fine with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We left it. We left it, and we put everything back. Everything exactly where it was. There was there was yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. No trace. They have no idea. It's yeah, fine. exactly. <laughs> or they do, and they're just nice and don't want to say it. <laughs> very very true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to talk a little bit as to like how? you kind of went into making this record like what was kind of your thought process into going into recording these songs yeah I mean I think for me it really was primarily driven by the desire to come out through my music that was like the big that was the big thing and you know we had been doing we've been doing singles just kind of like sporadically as a band uh, leading up to that record and those are great and they're fun, but those are pretty much just me and our producer and then Brent playing drums. And then, um, you know, Jer records horns at their, at their studio in Gainesville and we incorporate other people as we can, but you know, we're all separated across the country. So it's hard to like, it's hard to really record. But the, the thing that I was really adamant about for the record um, and that we were all really adamant about was, was getting everybody in the same room and, and actually like, like fully collaborating um, in a way that we haven't been able to, because, you know, we're just, we're not only is it a pandemic, but we're so spread out across the country. Um, so it's difficult. It's difficult for us to be like, um, it's difficult for us be, to be engaged in working in the way that a lot of bands are. And I was really thankful that we were able to make it work and we were able to get everybody into the same place and, um, you know, kind of just like exists in our own little world for, for two or three weeks and and really like really work on it and i think that that was the biggest thought process for me was like yeah i want to come out through my art but i also want to like i also want to have it be an extension of this friendship that i have and this this kinship that i have with these you know with these people i always said like if the record sold zero copies i'd be happy just because we made it honestly like just because we made it together and it exists like that that was enough for me i'm very happy that it's that it is doing well but you know it really was about the experience. Um, yeah. Do, do you think making it that way and just, you know, everything that you're talking about on the record and, you know, going through this process together as a band has made you a lot closer? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm a very, like, I, I am a very closed off person, much to the chagrin of my band. Um, but I, you know, I do try. Um, and, uh, but it's certainly gotten a lot easier, you know? It's gotten a lot easier to open up to them, which is nice. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have like this weight <clears throat> off oh, your yeah. shoulder. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it definitely helps too, as you went through this process and you were figuring yourself out and, you know, having this mm -hmm. realization that the way I'm living is not supposed to be how I'm living, you know, having these people in your corner who you can talk to I I do remember reading an interview where you talked about how you know it was on the leftover crack tour that you were like 
I think I'm transgender and you know Jared was kind of the first one that you'd opened up to because they're non-binary and they kind of understand that you know and I I do think that was great to have someone who does identify within that community to help kind of guide you through and you know be there for you as you go through the process yourself yeah yeah it was really nice it was it was really great to have them um kind of in my corner and in my in my support network uh it, it was invaluable and i think you know truth be told like i don't think that anything would have happened the way that it did if it weren't for them you know, I don't, I don't know if, if the record would have been made the way that it was made. I don't know if the record would have been what it is, you know, I think, you know, a lot, a lot of my friendship and a lot of my friendship with them has like, I just kind of like normalized, you know, the queer experience in general, you know, and, and I think like, helped me, that helped me so much to really be comfortable accepting, accepting myself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially too, like with the like current political climate, I mean, we're very fortunate to be from Southern California and it's a very liberal place and accepting Mm -hmm. and diverse, but you get to other parts of the country where it's like, no, you can't, you can't live that way. Yeah. And it's shocking, right? Like just, I mean, certain places in Southern California are still kind of like conservative, yep. um, but <laughs> you know, for the most part, yep. it's always shocking to are like, no, you can't like, you know, you, you can't get married or you can't like transition or you can't like, like anything. It's just, it like, why can't people just let people live the life that they want to live? Like, I just don't get it. Like it's so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's- it's always the like so-called freedom people who are who are pushing that agenda too. It's like, all right, well, if you want freedom, I got a great place for you to start. Uh, there's a whole lot of people that your existence oppresses uh, if you just would uh, chill. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Freedom with circumstance. <laughs> freedom to do exactly what I think you should do. Exactly. Uh, for real. <laughs> I just saw like a TikTok too talking. It was a guy talking about how he likes coming across TikToks where conservatives have pushed so far that now they're dabbling into socialism and they don't even realize it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yep. He showed, yeah. like, he showed like a guy talking about like how he's able to get the COVID vaccine for free, but he has to pay for, you know, his doctor visits and, you know, healthcare and stuff. And he's like, well, let me tell you, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're so close. <laughs> right there. It's that big target, right? Right. You got it. It's right there. <laughs> it's there. One more step and you got it. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, it's funny. Um, ordinary life is kind of this liberation of yourself but I think that journey started previously in um, self-care you talked a little bit about it in uh, previous interviews that you know self-care had these songs that were wrestling with thoughts that you didn't know what to make of you know it it was a lot of mental health stuff that you were going through and you didn't know it at the time, but it was attributed to this dysphoria that you were having. And, you know, 
you couldn't put into words what you were feeling. You just knew it was affecting you in some way and you didn't know how to grasp it or deal with it or, you know, come to terms with it. Um, looking back at those songs, do you think, I don't know how to put it into words. Like looking at those songs now as like a reflection versus, you know, ordinary life, like, is it, does it bring a sense of like clarity to you now? Like going, okay, like these songs make a little more sense now looking back. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I think a little bit, and, and you can even expand that to the whole catalog, you know, you even go back to the first record from 2007 and there are themes on there that are, you know, that whole, the whole idea of like, you know, on the first two records, it's, it's basically me like grappling with my, with my, you know, um, with my own morbidity, you know, and, and that obsession with like assigning your own value to your life, you know, and I look back at that now and that's, that's a big part of what the song Morbid Obsession is about is I, I look back on those thoughts and I go, wow, this was, this was dysphoria, you know, and, and I think that, that people who don't experience dysphoria can certainly have those thoughts too. But in my case, you know, looking back on it, those, those were so clearly, you know, I, I was, I was struggling with my own mortality because I wasn't living the life that I wanted to live. Right. Like I was struggling with assigning purpose to my life because I, I didn't feel like I was, wasn't that I didn't have purpose. It was that I didn't feel like, didn't feel like I was standing in the right place. Yeah. And, you know, all those thoughts kind of, once I realized my gender identity and really once I started writing about it and, and really as I finished the record was when that really clicked and I look back and I'm like, wow, so much of this was, was informed by dysphoria. And again, I think a lot of those experiences are things that people who don't have dysphoria experience, you know, everybody, everybody can relate to anxiety, I think, and depression, most people. Um, But it does shine a little bit light, a a little bit of light for me on like, why those things presented in the way that they did for me you know I think that happens to a lot of people regardless I mean we've talked about it before you know our platform does talk a lot about the LGBTQ community and you know the things that they go through and experience but the two of us will never understand what it feels like to be stuck in a body that doesn't feel like ours we can certainly have you know the same mental health struggles, you know, the depression, anxiety, self-destructive behaviors that are attributed to other issues, but we will never be able to feel that or experience that feeling. And I think that can really aid in the community, you know, just being more, what do you call it? I'm losing track of words here. Um, Like, aware aware yeah just aware of like what people experience you know and go through and it's not just i'm gonna be this it's no i am this person that is stuck in something that's not me right yeah and i think like you know that's i think there's a million different ways to look at it too and i think that's that's like part of part of what makes it so challenging for people to understand is like it's not simple you know, there isn't like a, there isn't a lunchbox explanation for what it really truly means to experience dysphoria, you know, 
Um, and I think that's, that's a big part of like why I wanted to tell my story this way is I think that there are, I think every single story that gets told is another opportunity for two things. For one, for people who don't experience dysphoria to learn and, and to maybe normalize it a little bit for them. If they go, oh man, this band that I really liked, like I had no idea, you know, that the, this, the singer was trans and like, then that's a learning moment for them, right? For, you know, and, and maybe some people will react poorly, but maybe some will react in a way that's, and, and in our case, it's been overwhelmingly positive, you know? Um, and, you know, the other thing that may happen is there may be people who relate to your experiences um, in a way that they didn't anticipate. And that's the big one for me. You know, we've had so many people reach out since, since we announced the record and put out the first song and all that, you know, we've had so many people reach out and, and literally say things like your song inspired me to come out to my family, you know, things like that. And it's like, you know, of course it's never like, it's never the sole factor. Right. But, but to be like any push, much less the final push, like is, is an incredibly, incredibly empowering feeling and, and something that I hope you know, I hope we can all continue to do as we walk through life is like inspire others to, to live whatever truth it is that they, that they're fighting to live. And, you know, I, that's really the big one for me is, is by, by coming out the way that I did and by telling the story this way, you know, there's, there's the possibility that, that people may feel a little bit less alone, you know, feel a little bit more connected, feel a little bit more, a little bit more seen, Absolutely. And that's, that's really important. And I think it's, it's, that's why I encourage, um, I encourage and appreciate every platform that's given to, um, to any queer person to express their truth, because you just never know who's going to hear what and relate to it and carry that with them. And then maybe five years later, that'll turn into a light bulb moment, you know, and that's, that's incredible to me. You know? Yeah. Just having that like visibility. Yeah, they say representation, you know, there's like all this backlash. It's like representation doesn't matter. It's like, well, it does, it does. you know, it, it, authentic representation certainly matters. Uh, authentic, honest, organic representation certainly can result in light bulb, light bulb moments because it did for me, you know, and everybody's experience is unique, certainly. You know, there's no, there's no like cookie cutter, you know, path, uh, but certainly, certainly seeing other people's experience normalized and just seeing queer and trans people exist in my life led me to the thoughts that I needed to have, you know, indirectly and directly in some cases. And so I just think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think I'm, I'm so grateful to have been able to, to tell my story this way and to continue to tell it and to continue to have conversations like this. It's just so, it's so, it's so beautiful and cool to me that we're, we're at least at a point, even if we have a long way to go, we're at least at a point as a, as a society where we can talk a little bit more openly and honestly. Yeah. yeah. You see it more and more. Like, mm-hmm. there's just so many people that identify with it. Now, I just read an article. I mean, we had posted it a while back that it was like one in six Gen Zers, you know, identify, but now it's one in five. Yeah. I believe it. You know, I, I think, I think we haven't even scratched the surface of, of like really, truly 
how common this is. You know, I think we, it, it's like, you know, we've, we've all heard it said that, you know, gender is a spectrum. It's not a binary. Right. And I think like that's, we are really starting to see the first modern generation in, in this country to, to embrace that. And it's really exciting and really refreshing because I think we're, I think we're, you know, of course there will be, there'll be people who are, who say things like, well, everybody's, everybody's trans now or whatever. And it's like, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we all are like, maybe there's maybe this binary thing that we made up. Maybe that's um, made up, you know, <laughs> not real. People like, I'm like, where are all these, like, where are all these LGBTQ people like come from? They were here before. Like, no, they were here. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we've been here forever. It's just like, some of us didn't know some of us didn't know and there was no conversation about it. It's like, you know, how many, how many people, how many people never get to explore those thoughts? Yeah. You know, that's, that's like, that's why I'm so excited that we have, you know, uh, a generation that's coming up that seemingly is, is set up to be very, very accepting of that and, and experiencing it themselves. Like, I'm just so excited because I, you know, I think, think on past generations and I wonder how many people just didn't have the language you know, that was it for me. I didn't, I didn't realize I was trans until, until um, much later in my life than most people, because I just didn't have the language for it. Yeah. You know, I just, I wasn't having those conversations. I wasn't, it wasn't part of my everyday routine to be like, I should examine my gender identity, you know? And I think that like, now we're seeing a generation that, that, that is much more normalized and it is much more of a routine experience. And I'm very excited to see, very excited to see how that plays up in the coming years because yeah I think I think that number will continue to increase I really do <laughs> oh yeah definitely I mean people out here living their lives loving who they want to love and being who they truly are I did think you know as you were talking about that the um, boys will be girls video with the paint and how like it was just so simple so you know just <laughs> paint but it was so cute as like the colors started to mix and now you have like green and orange and yellow and you know like it was just the perfect like metaphor for that you know spectrum of everything like boy blue curl pink that's it (laughs) yeah 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 that was that was a chris grau original um chris grau is our is our has directed every single music video we've ever done. Actually, every every single full production music video has been a, a Chris Grau um, production. We love Chris, um, but that was that was a I believe that one was fully a Chris concept. Um, usually, Brent and Chris and myself kind of like have you know phone calls where we kind of pitch ideas and bounce things back and forth, and they um, they kind of you know, change form and become something different. But I, if I recall correctly, Boys Will Be Girls was start to finish a Chris idea. Um, I remember he was very uncomfortable with sharing it because he's like, I don't want to be like speaking out of turn. I was like, we hired you to make the video about me coming out. We hired you to do this. That's It's okay. You can have ideas. Like, thank you for your, thank you for your reservation, but uh, your ideas are, are appreciated. Uh, <laughs> But it's very sweet of him to be like, I don't know if I should propose this. Like, um, it was great. Yeah. Was yeah, great. I thought it came out really great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was really fun to film. Um, we did have to clean that entire warehouse afterwards. That was not so fun. <laughs> but 
it was very fun to film. It's always fun to make the mess. It's never fun to clean it. It just looked so like freeing in a way. Just, yeah. <laughs> just like very fun and happy. Like every time I listen to that song and like it gets to the chorus, I just envision like being at a show and like the entire crowd just like bouncing up and down, like really happy singing the words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that at you, yeah. <laughs> I hope so soon. I miss it. Yeah. You went on tour soon with um, the, the Slackers and the Agrolites. You're doing that mm -hmm. little run. It's very exciting. Uh, I made I made a, a TikTok about this, but the, um, the, the Agrolites were one of the few bands that I could listen to when I was driving for Lyft. Um, when I was first trying to like, I had quit the service industry and I was trying to make it full time as a, as a musician and an audio engineer. And, uh, you know, I did lift to kind of like fill the gap between, between gigs and yeah, the Agrilite self-title was one of the few records that I could listen to, uh, that wouldn't drive my customers like totally, totally bananas. <laughs> and, uh, so I listened to that record probably a thousand times, um, between, you know, probably March of 2017. And I think I stopped around like summer of 2018. So for that like year and a half or so of my life, I listened to that record like pretty much all day, every day. There were a couple other records mixed in there, but it was one of a very small handful of records that I could really listen to. And so, so to get to play with them every night for, for, I think it's five or six shows. Like that's really cool. I'm very excited. And obviously the Slackers are legendary, legendary band, incredible, uh, incredible live band. I'm so excited. I've actually never seen them live outside of, um, outside of a festival, which I'm told is like not the right way to experience that band. I'm told that the right way to experience that band is in a club. So I'm very excited that, that now I get to do that. Um, you know, for a whole week, it's very exciting. <laughs> really exciting did you when you were like driving for a lift did you say like oh i'm gonna play this record or like uh, <laughs> to your passenger no like, i'm playing this now <laughs> no it was just like i i just am not the like i uh i mean i'm not cut out for the service industry really because i just like i want my thing i want my things the way i want my things you know i want my music i want you know um and so it was more like it was more like a solo choice of like okay i can play this record and, you know, I want to be listening to many other things as well that are much more abrasive and loud. But if I put this on, they'll probably still tip me. Um, you know, it was kind of, it was more a decision like that. It wasn't like, yo, check out this band. It was just like, this can play in the background and won't be offensive to anyone's ears because uh, there's no screaming and yelling. Uh, and it's, not like, it's a very, like, it's funny because if you, if you bump, that record and really every agri-lights record if you bump it there's a ton like it's super dynamic and it gets really big and it gets really small but also if you put it quiet like if you're not really paying attention it totally can just like exist which is really unique there's not a lot of bands that can pull off the like um i don't want to call it background music because that's not fair because it's not written that way and that's not what it is but there's not many records that can exist in the background for me and also be bumped and be like this is awesome. I want to dance. Like, you know, it's kind of like usually one or the other and, and the Agrilites are one of a very few bands that kind of pull off like a, um, uh, a sound that is both um, non-offensive and energetic. And I think that's cool. I think that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
Those shows yeah. are gonna be really fun. I feel like I mean ska shows in general are really fun. Like you just cannot yeah. be sad at a ska show. Like we're going to try and make people sad. That's going to be real sad. I always think about that. Like when I listen to ska, like it doesn't matter what mood you're in when you start playing it, you're going to be in a happy mood by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Upset? Somebody. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying we were, you were going to think like, what was I upset about? I don't even remember anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, somebody tweeted at us like shortly after self-care came out. Um, Listening to the we are the, listening to we are the union is like quote I I want to dance but I also want to cry end quote <laughs> there it is there it is yeah, yeah I love I love that like the juxtaposition between like um having kind of sad lyrics and then like upbeat melodies with it yeah. so it's yeah yeah it's fun and the funny the funny thing is like you know I argue. I would argue that that's kind of always been true for ska. Like even, even when you go and look at bands like Real Big Fish, like the band that's like kind of ostracized for being or criticized for being like too goofy. And like, yes, they have goofy songs to be sure. And their live show is very goofy. Um, but there's some sadness in those lyrics. If you're really listening, like there's some, there's some like, you okay, buddy. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so like, it's so funny that like we, even the bands that we think of as like, happy-go-lucky like fun only bands like if you're really listening like there's some there's some uh there's some sadness to be found there for sure yeah they say like the the happiest people on the outside can be like the saddest people on the inside true. so Very true. Makes sense. <laughs> but yeah i feel like that like i came to that realization like as i grew up because like i listened to a lot of ska when i was younger like my first show was like no doubt you know like i listened to ska growing up but then like as i got older and like revisited some of these songs i'm like wow they're kind of sad like i was jumping around <laughs> when i was like six like yeah <laughs> yep. yeah that record tragic kingdom is a is a is a very at times angry and at times um devastating record and mm -hmm. it's funny that we like yeah, we associate it with like fun summer vibes and it's like totally not if you're listening it's <laughs> totally, totally not. not you know yeah. yeah but i think that's important right i think it's i think it's like as an artist you want to like you want to create something that's a little bit complex i think if something is just happy and the lyrics are happy like people don't respond to it and if something is just angry and it's everything about it, like even like the best metal bands are the ones that don't take themselves that seriously you know what i mean like those are the ones that really rip and really like to me and really like find new ways to like push the genre and keep things interesting are the ones that aren't really like super serious all the time like every there has to be a balance in every in every form of art otherwise it like comes off as really cheesy yeah yeah i definitely love a balance like that like when it's kind of like unexpected um but i also really enjoyed how you said um i think in like numerous <laughs> interviews how you said like once you're done recording an album like it's it's up to like the listener to interpret it for themselves and kind of take it and and do with it what you will, <laughs> you know, kind of, I kind of. Not mine anymore. Yeah. I think of like, uh, is it Big River? You have that line um, in Big River, like 
that talks, it says, you know, when you're alive, but your friends are mourning you, like, I think that's relative to like the dysphoria you experienced and going through this transition. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can take that lyric and kind of make it their own, you know, relate it to their own personal exploration and journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the whole album was written with the intent, um, with the intent of being accessible and relatable to people who don't necessarily experience dysphoria specifically. You know, and that, that was really important to me to, um, it was really important for me to interweave those feelings of dysphoria with feelings that people who don't experience dysphoria can also feel. Cause I think that was, that was just like a perspective that I saw as like an area of opportunity in, in, um, in queer art in this circle that I am creating in, right. Certainly not, not globally, but, um, you know, I think the idea of like, okay, let's, let's tell this story. Like, let's explain it like I'm five, you know what I mean? Like that kind of, a, like, that's kind of what I wanted to go for because I think there's, there's so many incredible pieces of art um, and songs and albums and, and entire bands that, that really get into the nuances of, of, um, of that experience in a way that's really, really powerful and poignant. But I wanted to kind of, tell it in a way that was maybe understandable if you've never had those thoughts in your life yeah. you know like and so there is more there if if you're if you're looking for it there certainly is much more nuanced kind of like dysphoria thoughts in there you know but there's also like you know that could be that line could also be about severe depression right um just one final thoughts question um you know what do you hope that you know people take away from this album or you know what do you want them to get from listening to it i mean i think you know the biggest thing for me is for um i think there's two things um number one is for anybody who experiences dysphoria or you know anybody who is anywhere not on the gender binary which i think is most of us uh, if i'm being honest uh, i think uh you know i think i would like for them to feel maybe a little bit seen which i said you know kind of touched on earlier but like the idea of like your experience is not unnatural. It is not wrong. It is an extension of who you are and, and there's nothing wrong with it. And, and you're not alone in it. I think that's the big thing, right? But then also at the same time, I want for people who don't experience that, I just want them to hear a story and relate to non-trans people into the trans experience viscerally and you know did i succeed i don't know uh, but that was certainly the goal and that's my hope is that is that that reaction will will exist you know for for some people maybe maybe some people who you know don't really have don't really have like trans or queer people in their life or just don't have exposure to that that maybe can now 
have a story that they go, oh, well, I don't experience dysphoria, but I do experience these other things. And man, it sounds like it's kind of like similar, you know, it sounds like it's kind of similar to how I feel when I'm really depressed or, you know, it sounds like how I feel when I'm, when I'm uh, dysmorphic or, you know, there's, there's a million experiences that, that, that are not related to gender identity that I think you can kind of tie together. And so my, my biggest hope for people outside the queer community is that they'll find something in the record that they can relate to that will maybe help them be a little bit more empathetic to the people in their lives or people they may encounter who aren't in their lives. You know, I think that's, it's really about normalizing to me. That's, that's, it's the biggest reason that, that I wanted to express myself this way and do the record that way. I, I just want, I think the more people can tell their story in ways that are relatable, the less exciting it's going to be every time, which is good. Um, and eventually we can get to a point where, you know, maybe a dysphoria songs are, are seen not as common as, but seen in kind of the same vein as, you know, a love song or a depression song or whatever, you know, I think I'd love to get to that point where the experience is so normalized that you should be, it should just be like, I'm gonna have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch. Also, I'm trans, you know. Uh, I'd love to get to that point. We're uh, we're decades away at best. We'll probably never get there, but uh, that's the dream. I love that. Um, do you want to like plug your social media and everything where people can find you? Yeah, um, yeah. The band is uh, is at We Are the Union on just about everything. Uh, I am either at Read Are the Union, uh, which is R E A D E. A-R-E-T-H-E-U-N-I-O-N. Uh, I'm either that or I think on Twitter, I'm just Reed Wolcott, um, which is R-E-A-D-E-W-O-L-C-O-T-T because Reed of the Union was too long by one character, which is honestly upsetting. Um, <laughs> but I think everywhere else, I'm just Reader of the Union, but yeah. Awesome. And then everything, everything you could ever want to know about the band is at weartheunion.net. That's the main, <laughs> that's our main everything. All right. Well, thank you for thank you so being here with us. Thank <laughs> you for having me. It was it was a pleasure. Let go of-